We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is Leprechaun Lunch with Sean Styers and Jim Irizarry on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Leprechaun Lunchtime, along with Jim Irizarry, Sean Styers, Sports Radio 960, WSBT, doing our little Irish jig as we go into the weekend. Our little song and dance. That's right. My feet are moving. I was trying to start singing, but I don't know how that sounds, so I'll just back <laughs> off. Leprechaun Lunch presented by First State Bank, lending strength to our communities by devoting ourselves to helping local businesses grow and prosper. We've got just three regular season games to go before this thing winds down for Notre Dame football. Tomorrow at Virginia. Next week, Senior Day, final home game, Georgia Tech. And then, of course, Thanksgiving weekend, it is out to the left coast to Palo Alto and Stanford. That is it for the Irish. Tomorrow Will be an interesting matchup. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, I had uh, a Notre Dame women's basketball game last night, and it it was um, I mean it was it was not quite as aesthetic as the the win Tuesday nights <laughs> okay <laughs> over Ohio University, but they still managed to beat Western Illinois seventy six to fifty. And it started off with a really fast pace. It was long. It was like ping pong out there. It was, mm-hmm. it was like you bring it up. Now you shoot, and then we're going to run back the other way. We're going to pass once, and then we're going to shoot. And you know that's so. It started really frenetically and didn't necessarily end that way. But two different Irish players had double doubles. Freshman Olivia Miles, she had 16 points and a uh, new career best. 11 rebounds. And now I say career best. She's a freshman, but she did play six games with Notre Dame last year because she enrolled early. Um, but you don't expect the point guard to be grabbing all the rebounds, but she grabbed does 11 that, rebounds uh, last night. Does that make her like a super freshman or something? Or Yeah, like supercharged. I don't know yeah, exactly. Right. It's like it's like a free redshirt year or something. You know, it's like because th- there were there were a handful of players around the country who did it last year. And because of, you know, the NCAA granted that everyone basically a season of extra eligibility. Right. She got to come in. She enrolled in January for the, for the spring semester. Did her quarantine, started her workouts and her practicing, and then got to play in six games. So yeah, it's like it. You know, what's really it's like should. Last year's stats include, you know, be counted on this year's stats as well. She was a freshman both years, you know, and it's not, it wasn't a red shirt, but. How does she have I mean, six whole games, you know, just looking back historically? How does yeah. she have a whole six games on everybody else that year? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, so she's looking good. She had 11 assists the other night. She pulls down 11 rebounds last night. And then Maddie Westbeld had a huge game, 15 points. And 18 rebounds. And the the 18 boards ties former Notre Dame women's player Devereaux Peters for the most in Purcell Pavilion 
history. So she wow. ended up with 18 rebounds, and she had 13 of those in the first half. And <laughs> Karen Keyes, who played at Notre Dame back in the 90s and, and uh, does some of the games with me. She was with me last night. We, we had to do a double take at the stat sheet last night. It's like, really? That's the quietest 13 rebounds <laughs> ever. Did she re- Is that a misprint? Is that a typo? Did she really have 13? So, But she did. Did somebody not reset the computer beforehand? Yeah, what well, happened? And here's the thing. When we started thinking about it and, and looked at the stat sheet at halftime, between the two teams, there were 53 missed shots. So, like, that's a lot of opportunities for rebounds when people are missing 53 yeah. shots in the first half. So <laughs> does, does open up the, the opportunity to get some rebounds, yes. doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> that's right. But So they looked good. Maya Dodson, the Stanford grad transfer, who uh, in her very first game in her Notre Dame uniform Tuesday, set a new career high with 25 points. She had 14 points and eight rebounds and blocked three shots last night as well. So she's looked really good in her first two games for Notre Dame. It's going to be an interesting game at Syracuse Sunday because Syracuse went through a lot of offseason turmoil. Uh, they ended up firing their head coach, Quentin Hillsman, who had been there for several years, took him to a national championship game just a few years back. But they fired him and they have they had a they had an exodus from the roster. You know, the, mm-hmm. the roster was mm-hmm. leaking like a sieve to begin with, and then they started looking into some things that I won't completely go into here, but so they end up getting rid of him. They lose their best young player, uh Camilla Cardoso, who transferred to South Carolina, who number one in the country right now, and you know, they were good anyway, and then they got even better getting her. But Syracuse has nine players on the roster this year who transferred in from other schools last wow year. so one i can't imagine being the notre dame coaching staff having to put together a scouting report yeah. having to go find film <laughs> from nine that? different schools plus you know syracuse <laughs> and you've got a new coach and so this morning as i was putting together you know putting together my board for that game it's like i'm you know i was wearing out google because i'm Right. You know, you can't because they had like if you go to Syracuse's website, they had kind of partial, you know, little little nuggets, mm-hmm. you know, but it, just enough to say, well, they went to this school. So then you've got to go to that school, find their stats the last couple of years, wow. find out what they did. And so that was fun. And so the coaching and, staff uh, has probably been working on this since like, oh my you gosh. know, August, I would imagine. <laughs> and there there were players there were I think there were at least three players who this Syracuse is their third division one school now. So wow. it's like they didn't just transfer, you know, from another school last year. They were, you know, three schools they're working on wow. now. So it's like, it's like college basketball free agency. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> you know, it's really weird. So, so that's, it's an interesting opponent that Notre Dame's going to face. Syracuse has been pretty good the last few years, but when you're piecing together a roster like that, I have no idea what that's going to look like Sunday. So, We'll see. Sunday at noon, I've got the tip-off be, uh, up in Syracuse at the Carrier Dome. And, of course, we've got all women's basketball games on Live 99.9. That's got to be fun for you, getting to travel with the team this year. Yeah, get out a little bit. Get out of, you know, the hole here in, right. <laughs> in South Bend. And, you know, even if it is Syracuse, Florida's <laughs> coming up in a couple of weeks, so I'll take that trip. <laughs> you, you, get, you get to go see what gray looks like in Syracuse, New York this weekend. So, hey. Yeah, exactly. You know. Well, I was saying the other day, though, I would still rather see Syracuse in November than January and February. True. Because 
I've been there in January and February when there's like literally three feet of snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. So, plus this time you get to see uh, all the uh, all the renovations they've done at the Carrier Dome too. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I've been up there, so looking forward to that. So excited! All right, well, so that's uh, that's a quick women's basketball look, and again, they're they're two and zero now, and they've won two lopsided games with a real, you know, and and like Neil Ivy didn't have to totally revamp her roster the way Syracuse did, but she's got a couple of really good freshmen, Miles and Citron, the grad transfer Dodson, and it's it's a lot different looking team already. What we've seen through two games, so I'm looking forward to. An early ACC start against uh, Syracuse Sunday. So that'll be exciting. All right. You want to talk some football? Sure do. All right. What do you got today? All right. Kyle Hamilton. Yes. Had a feeling this might come up. Right. (laughs) Just a hunch. I can't imagine why. But, uh, you know, of course, hurt his knee against USC. This is going to be the third straight game that he's going to be missing this week. Um, Or the third straight game that he's missed this season, anyway. Not this week. That would be some sort of record. But uh, <laughs> it, it would. <laughs> uh, just ha- like, is Brian Kelly keeping something from us? Is this more serious than we think it is? I don't know. I mean, that's a good question because, you know, Brian Kelly, <clears throat> excuse me, after the injury, and it's been, you know, three weeks tomorrow now since yeah. he, the injury in the first half against USC. And Brian Kelly, after the game, thought it was pretty minor. Um, the next week, they still thought it was pretty minor, even though he did he did undergo some of these, what do they call it? Um, it's like a platelet-rich blood infusion kind of thing that's you know kind of supposed to help okay. the area recover quicker, something mm-hmm. along those lines. You know, he did a couple of those, I know, the first week. But Brian Kelly throughout all of this has pretty much been saying, you know, this is not that serious. It's just a matter of, you know, he's got to recover and all that stuff. But then yesterday he says he's not medically cleared to play yet. So does that mean that, you know, are, are, is that completely the doctor's discretion or is this Kyle Hamilton saying, well, I still feel something, you know what I mean? Like, right, I, right. I really, yeah. I don't know. I don't know because I just, and I'm not into conspiracy theories and things like that, but we're this far along. We're three weeks down the line now, and we thought that this was going to be a relatively quick recovery, but now Brian Kelly is saying that he's not medically cleared to play. Now, look, I've said from the beginning, Kyle Hamilton has his future to protect. Right. And if he wants to play it safe and feel absolutely no pain, no discomfort, whatever in that knee. I've got no problem with that. Now I know a lot of, of Irish fans for their own selfish reasons, feel a lot differently about that. You know, there are some, there, there are plenty of people who understand the situation that Kyle Hamilton is, is in because he's going to be a first round draft pick. He is an unusual talent for a guy, his size to play the safety position, to do the kind of things that he can do for a guy his size, he's going to be a first-round draft pick, and that means there's a lot of money on the line. And, you know, I, I don't care how many people want to shout about Kyle Hamilton has to find every way to get back out there on the field and all that kind of stuff. If you were in the same situation and your your risk is, 
you can play and there is absolutely zero guaranteed that you are, will ever make $1 playing professional football mm-hmm. in the NFL or you could not play and right. you are going to be right. drafted probably at worst 10th, you know, the number 10 spot in the first round of the NFL draft, which means multi-million dollars. If that's your choice, if you're going to tell me that, that you're going to risk all of that for a complete unknown, whether or not you'll ever make a dollar, I'd right. say that you're lying to me. You yeah. know? So I've got no problem with Kyle Hamilton playing it as safe as he wants to. We would all like to see him on the field. Brian Kelly and everyone would like to see him on the field. But I've got no problem if that's the, the direction that he wants to go. If it were if it were a year ago, you know, and he had opted out because of COVID or something like that, we wouldn't be saying one thing about this. Yeah, exactly. And so, plenty of players yeah. did that last year. Yeah. And they were also first round draft picks. Yeah. So <laughs> right. <laughs> plenty of them. You know, not all of them, but but there were I think at least a half dozen guys who opted out because of COVID last year, didn't play at all, and ended up being first round draft picks. And yeah. two of them, I brought these names up before, two of them. Jamar Chase, the receiver for Cincinnati, who helped LSU win a national championship with Joe Burrow a couple of year, years ago, and Micah Parsons, the linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, those two guys are in great shape right now to be offensive and defensive rookies of the year yeah. this year. And they both opted out last year, and they were both first-round draft picks. <laughs> and look at what their teams are doing now, too. So Yeah, yep. Exactly. It's not like they you – know, I, I don't know how they knocked off that much rust, but they did, and man – Uh, Question number two. Speaking of injuries, uh, Brennan Armstrong. Yes. How many uh, quarterbacks do you think Notre Dame had on the practice squad this week? (laughs) Man. (laughs) Like, you know, we had all this talk about Chase Ketterer last week and prepping for Navy and all that different kind of stuff. I would imagine Chase Ketterer was doing some work this week as well because – it is just crazy. Like when you look at, and we're going to hear from Mike Barber um, from Richmond.com who covers the Cavaliers here in, in a few minutes. But, you know, Brian Kelly was saying yesterday at his Zoom, in, in a Zoom conference, if you don't have Brennan Armstrong on the field, essentially they're all over the place at quarterback because they've got three other guys, Jay Wolfork, Katayan Thompson, who is a uh, – transfer from Mississippi State, and Ira Armstead, who is the local kid from here, went to South Bend, Adams. Armstead, big arm, uh, can throw it downfield. He was never really accurate when he was at Adams, but, you know, I mean, he could chuck it downfield all right, and he is very mobile as well. And all three of those guys have played in multiple games this year. And Jay Wolfork has only played in three games, but Thompson and Armstead have played in nine and eight games respectively. And Thompson is more, you know, like a mobile kind of guy, you know, a running kind of guy. He, he, uh, he's only completed two passes this year, but he's actually in limited duty, their third leading rusher this year. You know, the backup quarterback who's basically a package guy, 216 yards. I have no idea what to expect, but I would, you know, back to my point, like I would imagine that Chase Ketter has been Katayan Thompson all week just because of the mobile running around (laughs) aspect. (laughs) What, you know, what these other guys are doing, I, you know, having again, seen Armstead 
big arm guy who can get it downfield, mobile, but not necessarily a true runner type of guys, you know, so you've got to have a different looking guy for him. Then you've got a different looking guy for Wolfork as well. Who's not, you know, the runner that either one of those guys are. So I just, I cannot imagine what, what prep looks like because you've got to spend your time preparing for Brennan Armstrong who is their leading rusher. He only has 271 yards, but he scored seven touchdowns. He's their leading rusher with 271 yards, but he's averaging almost 400 passing yards per game. So, I mean, you first and foremost have to prepare for that because I think he's going to play. Now, do I know for sure that he's going to play? No, but the fact that they're saying he's a game-time decision, it's been two weeks since he's played that, you know, because they had a bye last week, I think that's got to help. But, I mean, you've got to prepare for him first and foremost, but then – You've got all these other guys that you've got to prepare for as well. I can't even imagine. Like you talk, you know, again, we spend all this time talking about what it's like to prepare for Navy's triple option and all that stuff, but preparing potentially for four different quarterbacks tomorrow, that that's that's just got to be a nightmare at practice, trying to prep for that every day. Yeah. I, I, like those, those practice squad uh, quarterbacks especially – are probably like so underrated as far as how good oh, yeah. they are just because like they're changing how they how they can do things every week over yeah. the course of a season. I mean it's just you're mimicking somebody yeah. else. That's yeah. right. You're sitting there, you've got to watch film and then you mimic somebody else all week yeah, so that your just, defense can prepare. That's just crazy. So yep. anyway, that's all I had. That's all you've got? Yeah. I, I had I had kind of an interesting one this this is something that uh that popped into my head the other day this is this is a hypothetical but i think it's you know i think it's worth at least bouncing around anyway let's say you're notre dame they're ranked ninth right now in the college football playoff rankings let's say notre dame wins these next three games mm-hmm. they climb to sixth in the college football playoff rankings at the end of the regular season. So they, they beat Virginia, they beat Georgia Tech, then they beat Stanford. So now you've, you've climbed as high as sixth, and everyone else is getting ready to play their conference championship games mm-hmm. the following weekend before the, the final playoff rankings are announced and the bowls are announced and the playoffs and all that stuff. So if you're Notre Dame, you need an extra data point to try to make a case for yourself. Would you try to schedule a game with, say, a third-place Big 12, you know, a third-place Pac-12 team, something like that, to try to give yourself a little juice to play that same weekend while the conference championship games are going on? Hmm. That is, that is <clears throat> wow, okay. <laughs> um, man, that, that's, that is a really good question. Uh just off the top of my head right now, I would probably lean more towards like the Big 12 than the Pac-12. Right. Uh, just because I think third place in the Big well, 12. Well, and more is a lot and better. more just the theory of doing <laughs> yeah. it as opposed to what conference you're playing against. Right, yeah. right. But uh man, um I don't know how much it would help I I don't know how much that would help them get into the top 4. I'm not sure if that's you know, now granted, Georgia and Alabama—that's going to shake itself out, right? Uh, but I'm still not—I'm <laughs> still not sure that they don't keep Alabama out. You know, I'm still not 
100% positive. Maybe they move Alabama down to fourth. Right, that like you if know. Alabama gets that second loss, I still think that they've got a good chance of being the first two-loss team to get in the playoffs yeah. this year, assuming they went out, you know, lose, you know, to Georgia, that kind of thing. I, I just, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think, like when you sit and look at it, I think that they would still have a good chance of, you know, they're going to make a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. You know they're not going to be in a college football playoff game if they're if they're number six. We, we know that for sure. You know the risk of adding that game. I don't think it would necessarily give them enough juice. You know to get you know because they need they they need kind of that that bigger fish to fry. I right. think I don't know that a third place team in one of those conferences is going to do it. It might. You know just the fact that you're maybe kind of bold enough to, and and willing enough to try to set something like that up. I don't know how the the, uh, the playoff committee would look at that because there's really no way to tell what the committee thinks because mm-hmm. they think a different thing every week. <laughs> you know, right. one, yeah. thing, one week one <laughs> thing matters, the next week something else matters. But uh, I guess my point is I think that by playing a third-place team in one of those other conferences, I don't think that that maybe gives them quite enough to make the statement they need, especially if the other teams win. Then, then you're doing it for nothing. And if you lose, the risk of potentially – you know, falling behind some of these other teams, and all right. of a sudden, maybe you're on the outside looking in yeah. as far as a New Year's Six. So yeah, I there, think that there's that yeah. that whole option of what happens if they don't win that game. Yeah, you know, then yeah. they're then they're I I would think out of it. Quite honestly, right. you know, out of a right. New Year's Six bowl even. So, and th- you know, just just the way this schedule has shaken out this year, this is just kind of one of those weird seasons where. They just don't have that opponent that has given them, you know, any, 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 but, you know, like if they were, if they had lost to Georgia, for example, this year, instead of Cincinnati, they might be sitting at number five right yeah. now. They might even be sitting at number four mm-hmm. right now. But because it's I Cincinnati and yeah. not Georgia, you know, they just don't have that, that oomph on their schedule this year. Wisconsin was kind of supposed to be that team, but, they're sitting there with three losses right. themselves, and you know. So, third place in the uh, in the Big Twelve, by the way, is Baylor and Iowa State. And yeah. in uh, the Pac twelve, let's see, Pac twelve North, uh, Oregon State and Washington, and then in the Pac twelve South, it's UCLA. Right. Huh. It's the end. You yeah, know, I'm not like sure. I'm not sure. I'm not, teams. Yeah. I'm not sure any of those you know really help your case at all. Right. So exactly. You know, on the one hand, at least you're playing at one of the top three teams right. in another Power Five conference. But at the same time, yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think that it helps you enough. Now, of those, you know, like if if one of the you know, depending on where those teams sit in the uh, in the CFP rankings. Yeah, that's true too. You, you know, know, like you know, like you search out the best team, like in the top twelve in the college football playoff rankings that is not playing in a conference championship game. Right. You know, something along those lines. But I don't know. Like I said, it was just an interesting hypothetical because they need sort of that rocket booster to help them out that they're just not going to get from yeah. the schedule the rest of the way. Yeah. All right. It's the Leprechaun Lunch, and we are presented by First State Bank with Jimmy Rosari, Sean Styers, 
Again, we are presented by First State Bank, lending strength to our communities by devoting ourselves to helping local businesses grow and prosper. By Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Leo E. Premer in South Bend or Jim Hipschman in Mishawaka. By Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. If you're ready for your next escape, experience the excitement at Four Winds Casinos with award-winning cuisine, the latest slots, a variety of table games, including live poker. Legacy Heating and Air, find them online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Wings Etc. Grill and Pub, 14 Michiana area locations. Stop in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. We'll take a time out when we come back. Mike Barber from Richmond.com. We will talk about the Virginia Cavaliers. That is coming up next on... The Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. At this time every week, we turn to a writer who covers the team Notre Dame is going to play. We call it the Opposing Press Box interview. And this week, it is Mike Barber from Virginia.com. You know, this is year six for Bronco Mendenhall as head coach there at Virginia. They're six and three right now, working on what would be his third winning season there. How would you kind of define Mendenhall's tenure at Virginia so far? You know, I think it's been really successful, and and I'm on record, so I don't mind saying that when he was hired, I thought he was a bad hire. Um, Coming from (laughs) the West Coast, uh, no connections out here. I thought they would really struggle year one. And then that would kind of paint him with a brush that uh, he would never overcome. And, and I was completely wrong. He was pretty bad year one. They won two games. But he was laying the groundwork and the foundation uh, for what he likes to call unbroken growth. And uh, over the next few years, they just got better each year. They, they went to a bowl in year two but lost badly. Uh, went to a bowl in year three and, and won it. Won the division in year four and, and went to the Orange Bowl. So, uh, and then the COVID year was a little funky. They they went five and five, but I think most people uh, around the country sort of <laughs> discount a lot of what happened in that season. So sure. I think saying that unbroken growth, they've been steadily improving the program. And uh, considering where they came from, I think fans should be pretty happy with the work he's done. Chris Long is one of the more high-profile, I guess, recent alums of that program, along with the Barbers probably. But yeah, I've heard Long talk about the academics there what kind of factor does that play in their ability to recruit at virginia you know it's it's still an issue i think they've they've worked some um to have a little more flexibility but yeah there are kids that they don't bother recruiting because they know they can't get in uh it happens a lot with the grad transfer um you you know what you uh, achieved previously their their standards are uh pretty high and, and their grad offerings quite honestly are fairly limited so there are some academic hurdles, but, you know, I think Bronco, one of the reasons they, they tabbed him from BYU was he had some obstacles and some, I hate to say obstacles. He had some different <laughs> things to deal with at BYU um, and, and at UVA, he's got some things to deal with. And, and certainly when you're talking about college athletics, we shouldn't act like academics are an obstacle, but I think in reality, <laughs> right. um, you know, that's kind of the way it is. I mean, trust me, we hear it here, you know, all the time, you know, with, with Notre Dame and, and everything. But so, so what do you think is, is maybe the realistic yearly goal for them there at Virginia? 
you know, I think they, they want to do what he did at BYU, which was 11 straight years of going to bowl games and having winning seasons. Uh, and then I think you kind of got a taste of it uh, two years ago when they won the division and, and went to the Orange Bowl. I think they feel like they can compete to be the best team in the ACC. Um, you know, are they going to be winning 10 games a year? Are, are they going to be a college football playoff regular? Uh, certainly they want that. I, I don't know if that's realistic. But I think that if, if Bronco has a winning season every year, they're always in a bowl game, uh, and every once in a while they spike up there as a 9- or 10-win team. Uh, to me, I, I think you've got to be ecstatic with that. Okay. Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch covers the Virginia Cavaliers. And, and uh, uh, of course, Mike, the big question going into this game is whether or not the quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, is going to play. Broke some ribs a couple of weeks ago in their loss to BYU. So as of right now, what is Brennan Armstrong's status? Yeah, nobody knows. And they're, they're <laughs> playing it close to the vest. And uh, I asked Bronco this on Monday. I asked the offensive coordinator this morning. Um, basically what they're saying is that because of his experience level, because of his skill and his talent, um, he doesn't need to practice this week. If he shows up Friday or even Saturday morning uh, and, and they feel like he's healthy, he can compete at a high level, and he's not risking uh, a more serious injury going forward, I think they're going to play. Uh, Broncos said Monday they're planning to have him at quarterback. Uh, we'll see how the week goes, all those kind of things. Um, I wish I had a better answer for you. Um, I, I tell people if you're going to bet on this game, maybe stay away because we just yeah. don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – I think there's every indication is um, they won't hold him back for later games. You know, we talk about, hey, they play Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech and they can win the division. If he's ready, they're going to play him. I would imagine. I mean, that's that's pretty much what along the lines of what Brian Kelly said about Kyle Hamilton, for that matter, is if he's ready Saturday morning and he says he's ready, then, then he would be playing out there. But, I mean, Armstrong's numbers pretty much speak for themselves. He's got 27 touchdown passes. Their leading rusher as well with seven more touchdowns rushing. So if you could just just kind of describe what you've seen from him and, and what he means to their offense. Yeah, he, he's really been outstanding. I, we went into the year and, and I said, I thought if Brennan Armstrong could be pretty good, UVA could be pretty good. And it was a coin toss whether or not he would do that, right? He has been outstanding. Um, his ability to quarterback, and, and what I mean by that is, a year ago, it was kind of one read, two read, and if it wasn't there, he'd go make a great play with his legs. And people were really impressed because the passes he threw were good passes, and if it wasn't there, he'd take off and run. But this year, he's been a, a much more refined quarterback. Uh, he can get through four or five progressions. He threw a game-winning touchdown pass this season uh, to his fifth option. He, he gets through his reads. He anticipates the defense. He's really matured and taking a step forward as a true quarterback which is why I think he's so devastating as a runner because he's not one of these guys that can throw it a little bit and he can run it a lot. He is a real quarterback who can make every throw that, that NFL scouts are looking for. And then on top of it, uh, he's a very effective runner. You know, a couple of years ago, I think it was Dabo Sweeney compared him to uh, Steve Young and some people kind of scoffed at that uh, comparison. I think it's a pretty fair comparison. Hmm. Interesting. You know, they've played, I believe, three other quarterbacks this year. So if Armstrong doesn't go, who do you think starts Saturday? So Jay Wolf, a uh, freshman from the Richmond area, he's their number two quarterback. And a year ago, Brennan missed a game, and, and they didn't really have a true number two. 
and they played, I called it a hodgepodge, <laughs> a quarterback by committee. They played three different guys at the spot, uh, one guy to throw it, one guy to option it, uh, one guy is more of a wildcat. That's not the case this year. Um, if Brennan can't go, I anticipate Jay Wolfuck starting and, and playing most of the game. They believe they can run the same offense with Jay that they do with Brennan. That's not to say that Jay's ready to make all the throws and all the runs that Brennan does. But in terms of the scheme and what they're doing, this isn't going to be one of those throw the baby with, out with the bathwater. They're going to run their offense with Jay Wolfuck. Now, the other guys who you've seen play, Ira Armstead, Keaton Thompson, they're more of the option, um, wildcat, and they will do some of that. You know, They run the ball pretty effectively for a team that doesn't really have a stud running back. Uh, they use the jet sweep. They use the direct snap. They use reverses. Uh, so a lot of the run game and those other quarterbacks getting in the game, they've been on the field together with Brennan. And in this game, they'll be on the field together with Jay Wolfwood. Well, and you mentioned Ira Armstead, and he's from here in South Bend, Adams High School here in South Bend. And I was going to ask you about him. He's played, I believe, in eight of their nine games and you, you kind of touched on his role how how has he looked when he's when he's been out there on the field this year yeah i actually got to spend some time with ira this morning uh, after practice and um he's a really good versatile player they call it football player and that's what they have keaton thompson playing he's kind of a receiver or running back but the thing to keep in mind is they still like ira armstead a lot as a quarterback He's still progressing and working there. Um, this is just a way to get him on the field. You, you see it in college football. Kids come in as a quarterback. They don't get on the field right away, and what do they do? They get frustrated. They enter the transfer portal. Right. Um, at UVA, these kids are able to play and contribute kind of right from the get-go, even though they're not behind center. And, and that's been kind of Ira's role. Like They'll line him up in the backfield. He'll take direct snaps. Uh, he's played some quarterback. He's played some receiver. All the meantime, he's working on his progressions and his throws, and he's becoming a, a better and more capable college quarterback. But he's getting to be a part of this offense. And he told me this morning, you know, not only does it kind of keep your interest and keep you motivated, he's learning the offense from all these different perspectives. He thinks he helped, that helps him as a quarterback. We're talking with Mike Barber, talking Virginia football from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Now, they lead the nation with 545 yards of offense a game, but they're also 122nd in the nation defensively, allowing 466. Does, does either one of those numbers maybe surprise you at all? You know, I think they're better offensively than I thought they were going to be. And honestly, I think they're worse defensively than I thought they were going to be. Um, they struggled last season giving up big plays. And they've essentially shifted a lot of their scheme. Uh, they were a true 3-4 last year. Certainly they had nickel packages and everybody's got different things they do. But they were a true 3-4 defense a year ago. This year they're much more of a 3-3-5. And out of that 3-3-5, they're dropping eight in coverage a lot. So they're not getting the pressure on quarterbacks, the disruption. They try to drop more guys to limit the big plays. They say they're pleased with that change. I don't see it. To me, giving up big plays is still a huge issue for this defense. And because they've kind of dropped more people back, I think they're getting hit more and gashed more with running plays. So uh, the two things they need to correct right now are giving up fewer running yards and giving up fewer big plays. Uh, and, you know, the fans here will tell you that the, the three three five scheme doesn't seem to lend itself to correcting those issues right now. 
Yeah, no kidding. And I mean, Mendenhall, I mean, he's got a defensive background. And when it's been a few years, but when he was still at BYU, they played Notre Dame. And it's, it seemed like those teams were you know, pretty well known for their defense. So that, that kind of, I think, stuck out to me as, as pretty surprising to see a, a Bronco Mendenhall team look like that defensively. Yeah, and, you know, I wrote an article, I think it was a week ago, basically saying that Bronco ball looks different right now. Now, he'll tell you, you know, I asked him, I said, Bronco, I said, are you a kind of guy who would rather win 13-7 to than 48-42? And he said, I'm the kind of guy that would rather win 13-6 to because it means I didn't give up any touchdowns. Um, but he also recognizes that college football right now, offense is the name of the game. And, yeah, he'd like to have an offense that is scoring 48 points a game and a defense that is holding people to 24. 24 is kind of their pillar. They feel like if they can hold an opponent to 24 points, the way they play offense, they're going to win basically every time. Um, right now, he doesn't have that defense. Now, luckily, he has an offense that can score even more than that. But I think it's fair to say that this isn't the, the style he would choose to play. But I think he thinks this is where the game is, where his personnel is. Uh, and they're trying to make the best of it. Well, their offense has not been slowed down much. Wake Forest did hold them to 17 points earlier this year somehow. So if you're, if you're looking at it from the other side, how has their offense been slowed down this year? Yeah, If you go back and look at that Wake game, Wake Forest slowed them down by keeping the football. They, they ran the ball. They piled up over 200 rushing yards. Uh, there's an opportunity to do that against this Virginia defense. The problem is because Virginia gives up so many big plays, their offense gets the ball back. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you could be a team that, that has some discipline, um, you know, you don't necessarily need to take big shots down the field against this defense because small plays can become big plays in a hurry. Um, so if you're a team and, and you look at Notre Dame with the two running backs and you look at all the missed tackles a week ago against BYU by the Virginia defense, to me, you just keep handing those two kids the ball, uh, Williams and Tyree, over and over. That's going to keep the ball away from Virginia's offense. And I think every five or six times you do that, something's going to pop for you. And um, to me, that's the strategy against a team like Virginia is to run the football, possess the football, know that big plays will come uh, if you just do your assignments. I think that's what Wake Forest did to them. All right, Mike Barber, Richmond Times-Dispatch. Mike, great stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. You can find his work at richmond.com. Interesting matchup with Notre Dame and Virginia coming up Saturday night, 730. And, of course, we've got it right here on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Interesting stuff there, and, uh, you know, again, just like talking about that quarterback thing, I think our heads are going to be spinning tomorrow, Jim, if if Brennan Armstrong <laughs> isn't playing, trying to figure out, and, it, and it's like Evan and I are going to be doing that postgame show tomorrow night, and our heads might be spinning anyway because, it, like, it's just – Is there going to be a lot of the third quarterback they brought in? Like, you yeah, can't remember I know. their names. <laughs> I know. Like, people talk about Notre Dame and their quarterbacks, like it, – it, Look at Virginia, because one, it's video game numbers anyway. When really you look at, at, at what Brennan Armstrong Man. is doing, it, he's got one game where he's been held under 300 yards this season. And they won that game, of course. 268 yards against Miami. The most he's thrown for this year, 554. And, of course, they lost that game mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to, <laughs> to North Carolina. But he has had 
three other games besides the 554-yard game where he's thrown for over 400 yards this season, and he's had another one against Georgia Tech where he was just under 400 yards, where he was flirting with it. Wow. So, and, and again, he's only rushed for 271 yards this season, which is a decent number for a quarterback, but that leads the Cavaliers. So that just tells you what their offense is. They yeah. throw it all over the place, and they've got this guy, Dontavian Marks, who has 972 yards, only 42 receptions. So what's that mean? He is deep all the time, over 23 yards per catch. He is he just, he's just going up the sideline all game. <laughs> I know, and you're not going to have, and you're not going to have Kyle Hamilton out right. there. So that is just really scary. Uh, you know, the 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 other side of that is from Notre Dame's offensive perspective. Like against Navy last week, uh, because of the fact that Navy possesses the ball so much, I, you know, you wanted to be able to hit hit some shots downfield I don't think they hit as many as they would have wanted or as many as I thought they were going to hit last week mm -hmm. but like this week I think it puts more of a premium on the ability to run the football they need to actually run it possess it a little bit longer you kind of want to play keep away you know from that's kind of what Mike was was saying there toward the end you want to play keep away from them a little bit so I think really curious. I may have figured something out as far as a way for you to, to keep all the names straight for the okay. quarterbacks. If, you know, if it winds up being <laughs> yeah. musical chairs of uh, quarterbacks. Uh, uh -huh. I mean, Brennan Armstrong is a great name for a quarterback, is it not? It really is. I mean, fantastic name. <laughs> Do any of them have as good a name? As Brennan Armstrong? Right. Um, I'm trying to think now. I, I was rattling off all of them earlier. I mean... Katayan Thompson, you know, Dontavian Wicks, <laughs> you I mean, know, that's not bad. Irick and Armstead, they all, they all have, you know, pretty unique names when you think about it. Cause they've got an Armstrong and an Armstead. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. All right. Let's take our final time out and then we've got some props for tomorrow. We will do that when we return. Jim has got some for us it is the leprechaun lunch and we are presented by first state bank the only community bank headquartered in elkhart county first state bank offers the highest quality products and services leprechaun lunch continues right after this on sports radio 960 wsbt winding things down on the Leprechaun Lunch, presented by First State Bank on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT with Jimmy Rosari. I'm Sean Styers. This is the uh, point of the show where we have a little fun with some props. What kind of props did you bring us today, Jimbo? All right. Well, first of all, the over-under is set at 63 and a half. Oof. How are you feeling about that? I like way over. Way over? That. Okay. Now, I, 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 I feel two ways about it because... Right. There have been a couple of games this year where teams have quote-unquote limited Virginia's offense. Like, they actually – Wake Forest actually held them to 17 points earlier this year, something we were, I was just talking with, with Mike about there. But that's – it's pretty few and far between. So I, I just – I think I've got to take the over on that because, like, you look at the North Carolina game the week before – Wake Forest, and they scored in the 90s. Mm, <laughs> true. Know? So based on the fact that Notre Dame and North Carolina was as high scoring as it was 
a couple of weeks ago. I've got to go over 163. Now, does, is that contingent on who plays a quarterback for Virginia? Mm, that's a good point. That's because, again, I, I, you know, these other guys have all played, but they've played really minimal snaps this year. Okay. So there's there's not enough for me to know enough about. Yeah, so that's definitely contingent on Armstrong playing tomorrow. Okay. Uh, another one contingent on whether or not Armstrong plays tomorrow. More passing yards, him or Cohen? Oh, definitely him. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> because, again, I think Notre Dame I think Notre Dame is going to run the ball more Yeah. if he's playing to try to keep it away from him as much as possible. I think Cohen will probably still have a decent day. You know, and he might get forced into, excuse me, a shootout, you know, depending on how the game shapes up. But I definitely think Armstrong will end up with the most passing yards tomorrow. All right. Most receiving yards, Mayor, Austin, Wicks, or Thompson. I'm assuming that you're going to go with either Wicks or Thompson there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pretty safe bet. Pretty safe bet. Yeah, I, th- I think that I would go with Wicks, Duncavian okay. Wicks. All right. Uh, total yards by Kyron Williams. Over under set at 124 and a half. I think that's got to be over. I think that Kyron Williams, especially like when you look at the fact that where Notre Dame is from a receiver standpoint, um, with Avery Davis now being out and Brian Kelly talking earlier this week about we, we still have some options. We can we can. You know, we can put Karen Williams out as a receiver. We can put Tyree as a receiver, all that different stuff. I, I think I think if Kyron Williams isn't pushing at somewhere around 200 yards tomorrow, I would be really shocked. And, again, we're talking total yards. So we're talking right. both rushing and receiving. I think he's going to be pushing 200 tomorrow. So okay. I'll be well over on that one. All right. Uh, and then, simple yes-no question, does Michael Mayer score? Whew. How many games has it been now? It's like three or four since he's found the end zone, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, I'll just say because he's due, yes. Okay. The the, the law of averages. <laughs> something's got to something's gotta give here. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. The law of averages have to even out at some point. So I'm going to say... I'm going to say yes. He finds the end zone. Okay, that's that's all I had as far as Notre Dame, Virginia, but uh, some other lines that caught my eye: uh, Purdue and Ohio State. Purdue, of course, trying to go for what win number three against a top five team this season, which is insane. Uh, opened up at 19 and a half for Ohio State, 21 point favorite. Ohio State is right now. Who are they playing? Say that again. Purdue and I Ohio State. Purdue and Ohio State, 21-point yeah. favorite. In Columbus. <sighs> yeah. That's tough because who exactly is Purdue? And it's one thing to beat Michigan State. It's another thing to go to Columbus, even though Purdue has kind of been, you know, a, a, a burr in the side of the Buckeyes. I, I, I hate spreads that big, so I guess I will lean Purdue, but only – slightly you know like they were a pretty big favorite against Penn State a couple of weeks ago too and Penn State kept it really close I like Penn State's defense better yeah than Purdue's though so um but I'll 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 hedge toward Purdue even though I don't really like that line okay 63 and a half the over under for that uh I think I'll go under okay how about you 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be under two. I, I mean, Purdue's way better than they have been in quite some time now. Like, sure. like you know, kind of getting back, kind of got that feeling of getting back. They're hard back. to figure out. Yeah. It's like, they, you know, they're good enough that they can rise up for a game like last week and, and beat Iowa or whatever, but they're just – Right. It's the consistency. Yeah, thing. I, that's the biggest thing with them right now. But it, but it kind of it does kind of feel like things are starting to get back to the Joe Tiller days, even mm-hmm. of Purdue, as far as uh, you know them being a consistent Big Ten contender at least. Right. So uh, that said, you know i i I don't think that I don't think that hits sixty three and a half either. I th- I think that goes under. Um, let's see elsewhere, Georgia. Uh, going to be taking on Tennessee. That's another twenty-point spread. Fifty-six. The over/under. Oof. I hate Georgia's over/unders because they are kind of ridiculous, aren't they? I know. Either I think I'll go over on that. Okay. I think I will. Over over fifty six on that. I just had it here. Michigan, there it is. Michigan State. Michigan State hosting uh, Maryland this weekend. They're a twelve point favorite. Yeah, I like how Maryland kind of gets to be you know caught in the middle of this Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State little maelstrom yeah, <laughs> going <right>. on <laughs> at the end of the season because you know with all those teams playing each other and then the middle of it here's Maryland playing each of them. I. I I really like Michigan State to bounce back. I, I think they'll win by at least a couple of touchdowns against Maryland tomorrow. All right. And then uh, a game coming up tonight, Cincinnati at South Florida. Uh, South Florida giving 23 <laughs> or, or taking 23 and a half here. Uh, uh, the uh, over-under set at 58. Yeah, the, the, the 23 and a half. I would not touch. I would, no. you know, like if, if you were going to force me, I would say USF, but that's just because of the way, you know, Cincinnati's been a little bit ugly the last couple of weeks. Um, so I would, I would, I would drop my money on, uh, on USF getting those points on that one if I had to just because of that. But, but again, you know, that's, that's another team. Cincinnati that that week to week it's like you keep thinking that they're really going to make some kind of impression but it hasn't happened after as ugly as it looked last week against Tulsa right all right leprechaun lunch is presented by first state bank committed to being a premier financial partner first state bank demonstrates and delivers hometown values by wings etc grill and pub four winds casino your entertainment escape by legacy heating and air and also by Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing. Contact Ryan Hale in South Bend or Jerry Hunt in South Bend. All right, Jim. Well, I will uh, be talking to you soon. And uh, otherwise, have a good weekend. You do the same, sir. you got the money line tonight at 7 o'clock. I do. WSBT South Bend.